morning, uh, I want to start out by everybody standing up and thanking the Lord. Marco talked about this thing about thankfulness on Tuesday, and I just want to continue that. And especially on a morning, it's Thursday, it's the seventh week, tempted to feel tired, but let's thank the Lord because it's amazing that we're here. And it's amazing that um, we can do this life with Jesus, that we can be in Hawaii. For, there's so many things to be thankful for. Okay, so just right now, lift up at least 10 things that you're thankful for. Just say it out loud, not quiet, not mumbling. Like this is like a waking up of our spirits to thankfulness. Okay, and to recognize the Lord this morning. Okay, like stir something up in you. I feel better. Um, I was reading this verse this morning um, as I was sitting there trying to wake up. Um, Romans 8, 5, and 6. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And that, like, stirred me this morning of, like, oh, my mind is so on my flesh this morning. I'm tired and my body is weak. And God's like, yeah, but if you set your mind on the Spirit, then you'll desire what the Spirit has. And so there's another thing to reinforce, like, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> okay. All right, you can open up your freedom manuals, freedom manuals, journey book to freedom. <laughs> We're going to talk about freedom today. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, page 56. I don't even remember. Thank you. I was not prepared for this. My bun is on point. Thank you. Um, yeah, I planned this this morning, so we're just going to roll with it, right? Thanks, Vivian, for the coffee. Okay, um, this first verse up at the top. So we're going to talk about what is freedom and then some really practical ways to get freedom, and then you're going to teach each other freedom. Yeah? Because that's what we're here for. Have you found these training mornings helpful? You can be honest with me. Are they helpful? Or are they kind of like, ah, uh, like, I don't really see the point? They're helpful? Okay, I we... Our heart in them is to see it be really practical so that you can share. I know I've told you this before. So if you feel like, I don't know if I really fully understood that one, or I don't know if I feel like I could teach that from a training morning, tell Marco or I so we can go back over it with you or tell your one-on-one so you can kind of walk through it together. Because these are some of like the really like basics of Christian faith, and you want to be able to share it. Does that make sense? Okay, so if there's anything you don't get, tell your one-on-one, tell Marco or I, and we can kind of go over it with you again, Okay. And if we get a lot of people coming to us about one, then we'll go over it again as a class. Okay? So freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Slavery. What is the biblical basis for freedom? Uh, prior to salvation, we were slaves to sin. We had no power to overcome sin. So a lot of this is going to look like the gospel because the gospel is so good and there's so much packed into the gospel. Okay, so it's going to sound really repetitive, but think through, think through these things in the, in the glasses of freedom. Okay, so prior to salvation, we were slaves to sin and we had no power to overcome sin. So we're slaves, we're not free, we're in shackles. Pretty simple, right? Oh, yeah, you need to respond that way, that's good. Oh, and then Romans. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When, when did he die for the ungodly? Okay, the underlined part is your answer. Okay, ready? When did God die for the ungodly? 
There we go. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. So what were we? Prisoners to sin. (laughs) So, again, reinforcing that picture of, like, we're shackled, okay? So, like, say I'm stuck here and I've got shackles. I can't move. I'm a prisoner, okay? Pretty basic picture. I'm not free. I'm in sin. I'm a slave to sin. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, it's a rough life. In his death, Jesus paid for the penalty of sin, shame, guilt, and condemnation. Okay, let's read Romans 6, 23 and 24 together, which, yeah, you, we should know, right? 6, 23, you should know the first part. Okay, so let's read it together, nice and loud. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. What did he free us from? Is that good news? Is it good news? Are you glad about that? (laughs) Okay, just checking. (laughs) It's the best news. It's so true. Team India, will you please stand up and read the next verse? Yes, that's awesome. (laughs) Be sprinkled. So he came to free us from our sin, but also to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Amen. That's awesome. No more guilt. Praise the Lord. No one likes guilt. All right, Team Kyrgyzstan, will you please stand up and read Romans 8.1? Come on, ladies. Hey, ladies. Okay, ready? One, two, three. More condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I would so much rather change the law of sin and death for freedom. Amen? That is so much of a better choice. Like, it's not even like, oh, let me sit and think through this. It's like, I want freedom. Yeah? Here's a little side note. I'm in Romans right now. I love Romans. But when I had questions about who Holy Spirit was in my DTS, like, I, like, was, I didn't understand Holy Spirit. I grew up in a church where Holy Spirit was, like, the glory cloud on the flannel graph, you know, in Sunday school. Um, so I had a lot of questions about Holy Spirit in DTS, and I was telling some of the other girls this the other day, but read Romans 8. Romans 8 particularly is about life in the Spirit, okay? And I made, what I did is I just made a list of, like, what does Holy Spirit do? Kind of like Maria's list up here. Um, I just, like, made a list. Like, what does he do? What is he like? And I made lists, and that helped me kind of, like, understand him and what does life in the Spirit look like. Romans 8 is specifically about that. So there's my little plug. All right. Team Nepal, if you can read this next one, nice and loud, like you actually believe it, like it's the living, breathing, active word of God. Okay, are you ready? One, come back. Okay, so what is the underlined phrase in this? So that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. Did you hear that? Because of Jesus' death, he actually destroyed any power that death would have. Isn't that cool? So there's a scripture that says when Jesus died, he actually went down. Are you hearing this? When Jesus died, he actually went down into Hades and took the keys of death. 
So death can no longer enslave us. Jesus took the keys. So when we sing that song that the house are saying of like, I have resurrection in my veins, like that's a birthright that we have is resurrection because we're no longer slaves to death. Yeah? Isn't that awesome? This is straight gospel. It's amazing. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. So not only do we get salvation, not only do we get free from death, but we actually get freedom. Amen? All right. I'm going to keep asking for a reaction, so we, like, keep knocking on that door if we're not tired. Okay? (laughs) All right. The third one. In Jesus' resurrection, we are given authority over the enemy and power to overcome sin. His grace now enables us not only to be forgiven of sin, but to overcome it. Isn't that cool? I think so often, I don't know where the mindset comes in. We could probably speculate for a while, but, like, we're just like, oh, I'm saved but I'm still a sinner. Like that whole thing, like Jeff was talking about, like we don't go into this mentality of like, I'm actually an overcomer. Jesus actually gave me authority. He gave me the ability to be free. You know, we just kind of like, well, salvation. Yay. Like, what does that mean? You know, like, oh, Jesus is good. Like my sins are forgiven. Like I'll be in heaven forever, but there's actually life in abundance now, you know? And it's like, this is, so these are some tools to help us embrace that life in abundance now. Okay? Yeah. So. Or just, I was going to say blame me and Jess, but <laughs> and our midnight sessions making this book. Okay, so I'm going to read this again so we get back on track. In Jesus' resurrection, we are given authority over the enemy and power to overcome sin. His grace now enables us not only to be forgiven of sin, but to overcome it. Not just forgiven, but to overcome. Amen? So awesome. All right, who hasn't, what team hasn't read yet? Egypt. That's right. All right, Egypt. This is a short one. If you need to yell it, you can yell it. All right, Romans 6, 14. Let's hear it, Egypt. Again. One more time. Amen. Do you feel like the victory rising in you? Like it's not going to rule me. That's awesome. All right. Who should read this one? Mm, Staff. How many staff are in this room? Can you stand up, please? All right. Read that next verse for us. Okay. That's awesome. All right. I was just trying to decide if I want to say anything about that one. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. So becoming free actually leads to holiness. Awesome. All right. Next verse. So awesome. Okay, ladies, let's hear this next one. In unison. Ladies, stand up. We got to stand up when we read the word of God. There's something about that. You know, like in church, if you grew up. Yeah. Actually, let's do that. Power stance. Read this. Okay. I'll read it with you. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. But now, by dying to all in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. Someone, yes, awesome. Someone tell me what that verse means. Someone who just read it, tell me what the verse means. Dying to our old life. 
We're not a part of the law. We're a part of the Spirit. And what was the law? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the laws Jeff was talking about. Right? Yeah. So if you cannot keep the whole law, or if you can keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, you're still guilty of all of it. So thank the Lord we are not under the law. Right? Okay, anything else that you saw in that verse that needs to be pointed out? All right, next verse. Guys, will you read us this last verse? Men. What, Danny? I, I saw that. That's why I was like, you got to do it that way. Be like, be like Danny, everybody. So, who overcomes the world? Everyone born of God. Are you born of God? Yeah. What does that mean? Born again? What does that mean? We're really good at Sunday school answers, friends. You will be saved. <laughs> so what does it mean to be born of God? <laughs> that you love Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that answer. So who overcomes the world? Let's say we do, because that's more empowering. Who overcomes the world? Who overcomes the world? Yes, that's awesome. (laughs) And that is your biblical basis for freedom. There are so many more verses in the Bible about freedom. But here are just a few that we read through. It's awesome. So what I want you to do is stand up, and I want you to find someone. Yes, you do have to stand up. You can't sit. And find someone, I want you to tell them, use three verses. You can use your book. It's okay. Use three verses and explain to them the biblical basis of freedom. All right? Ready? Go. Yeah, that's what I said other than Miles. Miles is like, you could teach this. We should have Miles teach something in the Freedom Manual. That'd be fun. (laughs) Okay. So when I say the word, okay, like take out like all the spiritual stuff, okay, like Wipe your mind of that for a second. What, when I say the word stronghold, what do you picture? Serena. Great. Stronghold. Everyone, everyone picture stronghold in your mind. <laughs> yeah, Thomas. A fort. Like a fort with like twigs and blankets and twinkly lights. With walls. Okay. I like those forts too. With walls and guns. Okay, what else do you picture? A moat. Maybe with some alligators in it, around it. What else do you picture? There's a lot of talking amongst you, but who's talking to me? James. An arm wrestle with a sumo wrestler. So, are you winning that one? <laughs> of course we are. With my spiritual muscles. <laughs> A drawbridge. There's a stronghold. Looks more like a hug. (laughs) If you're getting that reaction, it's probably not a stronghold. (laughs) What else do you picture? Dragons, anacondas. (laughs) Man, that moat is full of all sorts of nasty stuff. Towers. A stronghold is a well-fortified place, a fortress. A stronghold is an area where sin concentrates. What is a stronghold? Where sin concentrates. Okay? 
How do our strongholds formed, you may ask? Well, let's read number one, okay? (laughs) Strongholds are formed through sinful external actions and internal responses. Mm, That is very descriptive. External actions and internal responses. If we are consistently... Is that, yeah. If we consistently sin in a particular area without true repentance, it allows the enemy access to form a stronghold in our lives. An example of this would be if someone continuously turns to drugs or alcohol as a means of coping, a stronghold of addiction could form. Do you see that? So it wouldn't be a stronghold of drugs. It would be a stronghold of addiction. You see that? Okay. So it's like the root. So if we go back to like Darlene's belief tree, if drugs and alcohol is a fruit, the root would be addiction. Does that make sense? Okay, great. Just giving you another picture. Not that extreme. Let me finish reading this, and then we'll do that. That's good. Um, strongholds can also form through less obvious sins, like believing the lies of the enemy about your worth or value, leading to a stronghold of self-hatred. So there's another example. So if I believe that I'm not worthy, and then like the fruit would be like, I dress wrong or I like speak about myself like, oh, I'm so ugly or like hate the zit on my face or like I wish my hair was longer or like stuff like that. The root would be self-hatred. Yeah, that can cause a stronghold of self-hatred. Does that make sense? Mm, Okay, that just became real. The enemy has never had a good thought, intention or plan for you. Never. He has never had a good plan for you. How many times has the enemy had a good plan for you? Never. Never. Never, never. He desires to kill, steal, and destroy. However, Jesus has come to give us life and life abundantly. Yay! Okay, so what are some other examples of strongholds you can think of? Consequences. Tying this into all sorts of teachings. All right, so how do we get free is the next question, right? Because this is yucky, like... Oh, strongholds. This is gross. Let's not sit here. So how do we get free? We have this wonderful thing that we like to call the four R's. It is not necessarily a formula. It kind of, it, it is, I guess. But it's like, you don't have to use it like, okay, like, what was the next one? But it, it's really helpful, okay? Like, I don't want to make this like the only way. Because like some people, like this is one way you can do freedom is through the four R's. And then sometimes... Um, You'll need to, like, sit with the counselor, and you'll need to, like, weep and cry, and things will need to be cast out, and you'll need to be prayed over, and that's a form of freedom. Okay? And neither is, like, better than the other. Sometimes, most times, the four R's is faster, but sometimes you do need to, like, weep and get freedom that way. Sometimes you just need to live different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to explain that. So, freedom is a reality made possible for every believer. Who's it made for? awesome, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He completed his part. However, it does involve action on our end to receive the benefits of freedom. Did you catch that? So there's no place for passivity in freedom. Did you catch that? Jesus did his part. Now we do our part if we want to be free. Okay. For, but that doesn't mean our salvation is based here. Yeah? This is freedom. Separate from salvation. Yeah? Okay, so there's like, Andy's going to come next week and explain the moment of justification. What? Two weeks. He's going to come in two weeks and explain sanctification. We're building it up. 
really big, <laughs> this idea of sanctification. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's like a moment of justification, and then freedom is a part of the sanctification part of like our ongoing process with Jesus. Yeah? Make sense? I just want to differentiate from that. Okay? For example, if someone gave you a million dollars, wouldn't that be awesome? I would love a million dollars. And put it in your bank account. If you never access the money, your life would not look any different. Pretty basic. Yeah? So Jesus has paid this price in full for your freedom. But if we don't access it, it doesn't really do anything. How often do you see that in people's lives, in your own life? Yeah? I know I have this, but what does it really mean? What do I really do with this ticket for freedom? Yeah? Okay. In the same way, we need to access the freedom bought for us. A way of doing this is through praying repentance, or the four R's. There was this guy on my Brazil team. Um, the first time I led an outreach, his name is Dale. Jackson just smiles. They were good friends at DCS. He's one of a kind. Um, he liked to call himself a boss and, like, flex all the time, and he, like, never wore sleeves on his shirts. Like, he was one of those kind of guys. But he would talk about the four R's, and he would, like, have this really deep voice, and he'd, like, flex at the same time of doing, like, four. It was just, it was really funny. So you can picture that when you think of four R's. That's what I do. Like, hear his voice in my head, like, really deep, like, four R's. And I'm flexing. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so the first one, are you doing it, Danny? Were you flexing back there? Is that what was happening? Okay. Okay, the first one is repent. What is it? Repent. What is it? Do we like repentance? Yes. yes, we really like repentance. It is great. Repent of sin. Wayne Grudem defines repentance as a heartfelt sorrow for sin, a renouncing of it, and a sincere commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience to Christ. We have to recognize sin and call it what it is, sin. Until we acknowledge that something is sin, we can never get free. That's so key. Until you acknowledge that passivity is sin, you'll never be free of it. Until you acknowledge that rejection and living in rejection is sin, you will never be free of it. Until you realize addiction is sin, you'll never be free. Because you'll always live in this like, well, I just, it's a thing I do. I just don't text people back. You'll just always live there. If you realize actually it's a root of passivity and passivity is sin, I'm never going to be free. I'm always going to not text people back. Yeah? Um, I heard Jackson one time had this, Revelation, this really struck me when you shared this with me, um, of like when we sin, we're allowing sin to get really close to God because God lives in us. And if he's a holy God and I sin, I'm allowing it to get really close to him. That really struck me. I was like, whoa, that's a whole new perspective on things, right? Um, Repentance is an action, not just an emotion or thought. It's not just, oh, like I feel bad or like, oh, I should repent of that. It's an action. It requires action. Repentance requires action. Okay? Say that. Repentance requires action. What does it require? Action. Awesome. It is a 180 degree turn, turning from sin and walking towards Jesus. Okay? Um, we'll come back to joyful repentance at the end. We'll keep going. I have more to say about that. It's okay. So, uh, Miles, will you read that verse? Repent and then turn to God so that your sins may be wiped, away, wiped out, that, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I love that. That's so cool. 
so that times of refreshing can come from the Lord. Oh, that's, I love it so much. I love the Bible. Okay, number two is receive. What is it? Receive. What is number two? Receive. Receive is what number? Two. Awesome. <laughs> receive God's forgiveness and cleansing. Receive the forgiveness that Jesus is gladly extending. He does not withhold his love or forgiveness. At the moment of repentance, we have full forgiveness. Isn't that awesome? I love Jesus so much. This is making me fall in love with him over and over again. Okay, so the first one is repent. So say I have passivity in my life. Jesus, I repent. I don't want to be passive anymore. That's not what you created me for, okay? So I repent. This is not, this is not what you have. And then receiving God's forgiveness. So like a simple prayer. We'll walk through like what a simple prayer looks like with these things. And then receiving is just, God, I receive your forgiveness for being passive. It's that simple. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. I am so thankful for that. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. His forgiveness is that good. It goes that far. Where is the end of the east? Where is the end of the west? No way. It's gone. Our sin is gone. Um, let's read this, this one together, First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Awesome. Okay, the third one's rebuke. What is it? Rebuke. What is it? What's the first one? What is the first one? What is the second one? Third one? All right. This is where it gets fun. Rebuke the enemy's hold on you because of this sin. Return to your rightful place of authority that Jesus has purchased for you. So passivity should not have mastery over you. Right? It should not win. Okay, so I'm repenting that I've let it win in my life. I've let it create a stronghold. I'm receiving God's forgiveness for letting it do that because it really is my fault. It's no one else's fault but me for letting it in. And then I'm rebuking. I'm saying, enemy, how dare you? How dare you bring passivity in my life? How dare you you lie to me and tell me that I'm passive and tell me that I shouldn't respond to people or tell me that whatever it is, I've had enough of you. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. No more lies. I take authority over my life, okay? So whatever you need to do, this part can get a little crazy. It should get a little crazy. He is coming to kill, steal, and destroy you. He's never had a good thought about you. You should be mad about that. It's not okay. It's not okay what he's done in your life. It's not okay that he's pushing you with passivity and thoughts of rejection and thoughts of addiction and all of this stuff, right? That should make you angry. That's not your birthright. That's not who you were created to be. Okay? So it should make you angry. And you should, like, stir up a little anger in your heart, and then you let it out at the enemy. That's not okay. That's what I was telling Amanda. We were talking about her brother. And I said, and she was, like, talking about, like, I wonder if I should be home or because there's nothing I can do. And I was like, actually, there's a whole lot you can do. Because if we believe prayers are powerful, as, and we, we've tested that. We've seen they're powerful, right? That first day with ISIS, we see that prayers are powerful. Yeah? Okay, so if we believe prayers are powerful, how much is rebuking the enemy? Yeah? 
because we have that authority. Now we're taking that authority and saying no more. And so Amanda has so much power to rebuke the enemy over Matthew's life and over her own life. That's enough. I'm angry that you've taken my brother from me. I'm angry that you're, you know, making my parents feel tired. Like all of this stuff, right? You stir up that anger inside of you. Even us ones who can be really sweet. I encourage you, stir up some anger against the enemy. It's not okay what he's taken from you. Okay? So what is the third one? What is the third one? Okay. Stand up, and we're going to read these verses together because we're getting a little too comfortable. So what's the fourth one? What was the first one? What was the first one? What was the second one? Third? And fourth. All right. So we've taken something out. We have to put something back in. Yeah? Otherwise, we kind of have like a hole of like, oh, I really liked, you know, whatever it was that I'm struggling with. Kind of going to sit here and pet my mangy cat. And if I get rid of my mangy cat, my arms are empty. I got to put something in them. Right? Okay. So we're going to replace it with truth. Okay, replace all lies with God's truth. Fill your mind and heart with the truth of who Jesus is and who he says you are. This step is crucial. This step is crucial, okay? (laughs) Thank you, Katie. (laughs) Um, You're taking out these lies, we're putting in truth. So what is is the opposite? Because it's often exactly the opposite of what God's, like the enemy says the opposite of what God wants to tell us. So if the enemy is like, you're passive, like you don't do things, you go, no, I am an overcomer. I stand in a place of righteousness. I can be holy. Like I can pursue God and pursue others. I can love others. Do you see the opposite and the difference? This one might require the power stance, you know, just saying. Okay, Um, Galatians 2.20. Let's all read this again. Stand up. Some conviction, like you believe it. This is a verse about how you're not your own, like Maria was talking about. Okay? One, two, three. I have been crucified with Christ, and I will honor live, for the Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So awesome. Here's this verse again. Let's read it again. James 4, 7. Awesome. So this one, you can sit down again, or you can stand. It's up to you. (laughs) Submit yourselves then to God. That's where this verse comes in this time. As you're submitting yourself to God and saying, God, give me the truth. What do you, who do you say I am? You're going to look up verses. What do you, who do you say I am? What do you say about this topic? How does this topic relate to me? Okay. There's some really practical, there's that birthright sheet that Joe gave you, right? Talks about who you are in Christ. And I think David did it with us too, right? Um, there's one in the back of this book too. It's called a birthright card. You could probably look it up online, um, a birthright card. And it has like literally all the scriptures of who you are. It's called birthright. Cause it's your right as a Christian because you're born of God is your birthright. Does that make sense? Okay. And then in this freedom manual too, um, I'm the, I feel like I'm doing a plug for the freedom manual. You should buy the freedom manual. Um, <laughs> uh, Instead of being passive, and then it gives, like, all of this stuff. Like, I walk after the Lord my God with fear, and I keep his commandments. I am diligent to the very end, and am not lazy. I work hard and show my love for God. And these all are scriptures. Okay? So you can look up, like, scriptures about being passive or overcoming passivity. You could probably just Google it and find them. 
Okay, so it's important that you replace lies with truth. What is it important to do? All right, what was number one? Two? Three? Four. Do you understand how this could be an awesome tool? Okay. Jesus, I repent of passivity. What's the second one? I receive your forgiveness for being passive and allowing passivity in my life. Third one? Devil, how dare you tell me that I'm passive? I am not passive. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and any lies. Replace. I am not passive. I am a child of God. I am an active lover and fighter of Jesus. You see how simple that is? And you just replace it. It's action. And then you're like, okay, anytime now I'm tempted to be passive, I'm just going to keep using this example of not texting people back because I know it's a real thing. Okay, someone texts me back. I'm actively coming against this stronghold now. I'm saying, actually, I'm going to do it. I don't really feel like doing this right now, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah? And there's a time and a place. We don't want to be slaves to our phone. So we've got to be careful with this example. Um, if you're having your quiet time, it's okay to wait to text them back. <laughs> you know, like use wisdom in that. Ask the Holy Spirit what your boundaries should be. But if you're not doing anything and you're like, oh, I just don't feel like it, actively pursue the opposite. That's when we say it's an action. Does that make sense? Okay. Freedom is action. Okay. I'm going to have you teach it to each other, and then we're going to go over this last point. Okay? So I want you in groups of four. (laughs) Yay. Groups of four. Listen, this one has a bit more instruction. One person is going to teach the four R's, and you're going to come up with an example. I don't want you to use passivity because we use that one a lot. I want you to come up with a different example. Okay? It could be passivity. It could be in a different area. So make sure it looks a little different. Come up with a different area. And I want you to teach the four R's, and I want you to lead your group through it. So you can lead out a prayer like, Jesus! And everyone responds, Jesus! Does that make sense? You can lead out a prayer like that. It could be something super relevant of like, I repent for not cleaning my room or putting my clothes away this morning and stewarding what you gave me. Ooh, it could be something like that, okay? Something like that. Okay, so let's do that. Groups of four, one person's going to teach the other ones, okay? Ready to go. Before. Okay, and you are going to teach the four R's to children. Yeah, because what? Um, you can pretend to be a child. Who are you pointing? I was like, who are you pointing to? <laughs> um, so you're going to... Pretend you're teaching to children because it's a really simple concept, yeah? And there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no junior kingdom of heaven. Isn't that awesome? It's for the old people and the young, okay? And so you're going to teach it like you're teaching to kids. So if the other three people need to, if you need to, like, sit cross-legged on the floor, you can. But that does not mean you're passive listeners. You can pretend to be children. It's okay. Um And you're teaching this, and so try to think of an example to have them, like, walk them through freedom and an example that kids can relate to. Yeah? Awesome. Okay, different group of four people, a different person teaching. So if you taught, do not teach again. Okay? Ready, go. No, not the same group. Billy Free! Exactly. We need to do a freedom dance at the end. 
All right, James's crew, how are you doing? Yeah, is James a good teacher? Yeah. Did he give you snacks? Oh, that's probably not good. You maybe need to do four hours about that. Okay, I'm going to need someone who has never taught at a training morning from the front, who did not teach in their groups just now, and wants to teach us all the four hours. There are a lot of people in here. Can I, can, can I pretend like they're all little kids? Can they be like, you guys are like five, just helping me out a little bit. You guys are five. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Okay, so, freedom! <laughs> so, I'm going to teach you guys about freedom today. That fan's scary. Okay. <laughs> We're going to learn about the four R's today. Do you guys know the letter R? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Your name's Rebecca. It starts with an R. That's so great. Okay. So the first R is repent. Do it, does anybody know what repent means? Rebecca. Yes, it's saying sorry to God for something that you've done that was wrong. Has anybody done anything that they think is wrong? <laughs> Katie, what have you done that you think is wrong? Oh, 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 do I need to separate you guys? I will, I will. What do you think, Katie? Oh no! <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. So, Katie shouldn't have taken the cookie. All right. So, what she needs to do is say sorry to God. Awesome. <laughs> the next one, it's received, right? Awesome. The next one is receive. Does anybody know what receive means? Like when you get like a present. Yes. It's like, thank you, Morgan. It's like a present that you get from Jesus. It's his love and salvation. Ooh, yes. Salvation is like you're saved from your sins and like the bad things that you do that are wrong. Come on, Taya. Play along. And so... You've received that after you've repented, and so you have forgiveness now. All right. The third R. Everybody hold up three. Thank you, Lindsay. Third R is rebuke. Everybody knows that there's a bad guy out there named Satan, and he wants to do bad things to you. Ooh. So what you need to do is you need to tell him that he's wrong and the things that he has told you about yourself are lies and he's not a good person. Mm. Mm. Good job, guys. And the fourth R is replace. 
So you replace all of Satan's lies with truths from God. Can anybody think of a truth from God? You are pretty, Morgan. Yes. All right. Jesus does love you. Olivia, you are flawless. <laughs> and those are the four hours. Yes. That was awesome. You can tell Claire's good with kids, even when we pretend we're kids. That's awesome. Okay, so last little section, um, and then we'll take a break before Maria comes. On page 58, the joy of repentance. Repentance is amazing. So I'm going to read this quote by John Piper. Repenting means experiencing a change of mind and that now sees God as true and beautiful and worthy of all of our praise and all of our obedience. This change of mind also embraces Jesus in the same way. Seeing God with a new mind includes seeing Jesus with a new mind. So good. Okay, so two things about repentance. Repentance is joyful. I know Marco talked about this the other day. Repentance is joyful, okay? Um, The other thing Marco mentioned uh, just now that we need to hit is not only, like, repentance requires action, but repentance actually is action. You can't actually repent without action. They're like the same thing. Does that make sense? It's a change of words. So repentance is action. Okay, so repentance is joyful. Repentance often has a connotation of sadness, depression, and being very heavy. Well, repentance is a serious thing. It does not have to be heavy. I love this line. And when I think about repenting and when I get like, oh, I really don't want to repent. Like, I really like that sin or I really like feeling angry or like whatever it is, you know. Repenting means that we are turning from sin and getting more of Jesus in return. That's what makes it joyful. Yes, of course, I'll let you have my anger if I get more of your presence. Yes, of course, I'll stop being passive if it means I get to pursue the heart of Jesus more unhindered. Does that make sense? It's joyful because we get more of Jesus and he's really good. Yeah? Okay. Uh, Let's all stand up and read this verse together. It's the last verse of our day. Not of our day, of this morning. Until Maria comes. Okay, one, two, three. For the kind of Wow, that's an intense verse. The kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. Whoa, so sorrow for sin, for sin results in salvation because it requires repentance. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. There's no regret for that kind of repentance. I'm never going to regret repenting of like living according to the flesh. Never going to regret it because I get more of Jesus and more of life in abundance. Yeah? Okay. Last point. Repentance is a lifestyle. This isn't like a one and done kind of deal. Miles said he's gone through the freedom manual three times. I'm sure he's done more four hour-ing than three times. <laughs> you know, I, I, I four hour a lot. Whether I like go through them all like mindfully or whether it's just like on my face crying in the prayer room like, God, like, I'm so sorry I did that. You know, whatever it is, or repenting to Marco for doing something stupid. Like, it's, you know, it's a lifestyle. It's not just one time kind of thing. 
Okay? Repentance should not be reserved for special moments, but should become a part of our everyday life. Living a lifestyle of repentance inhibits the enemy from gaining a foothold. Daily repentance is a way of being proactive and taking new ground in our lives and experiencing more and more freedom. We always want to take more ground, right? There's always more life, always more joy, always more peace, always more hope. And repentance enables us to get that. Amen? So is repentance good? Yeah. Is freedom good? Yeah. Is Jesus good? Yeah. Yes, of course. All right. We are going to take a 15-minute break and start again with Maria.